0: I love you. And not only do I want you to hear, I love you, I hope that this morning you will experience love right here in this church family. Not only knowing that the Lord loves you, but His people love you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're going through, do not. Believe the lie that no one loves you. Jesus loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And the people in this room love you deeply. If you're at home watching, know that you are loved by these people. Sometimes we don't always know how best to show you that we love you, but I promise you, we love you. And we want you to experience That love as a part of this church family. So whether you get tired of hearing me say it or not, I'm going to keep on saying that I love you and we love you and we appreciate you and we are so thankful that you've decided to be part of our worship this morning. We've been thinking about this word content, contentment. Last week, we began to talk about some of the experience that the Apostle Paul had his persecutions, the things that he suffered. And, and I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand because there were times when Paul had the opportunity to avoid persecution and he availed himself to that opportunity. You understand what I'm saying? He, he, he wasn't one who was a glutton for punishment. He wasn't masochistic. He didn't love to suffer. He didn't look for suffering. He didn't invite suffering. And there were times certainly where he avoided suffering or he escaped From suffering, but there were other times where he couldn't avoid it. He couldn't change his circumstances, and he not only endured it, but he was content in it. Now, I don't know about you, I've been, I've certainly been made fun of for my faith. I've certainly been insulted and criticized for my faith. I've even been threatened for my faith, but I've never once been beaten for my faith. I've never had my property or my belongings stolen from me because of my faith. My family has never been killed because of our faith. I've never been imprisoned because of my faith. I've I've known some Christians who have suffered some of those things, and, and maybe maybe you have. Maybe you've suffered some of those things as a Christian. Maybe you've suffered that sort of persecution. But generally speaking, generally speaking, where we live, and what we go through pales in comparison, doesn't it? I, I really, I don't know. And sometimes I wonder about this as a preacher. I wonder how would we handle real persecution? Because I want to be honest, here's, here's, I told you I loved you. So, so here you go. Sometimes we're kind of spoiled, aren't we? Sometimes we're kind of spoiled. We, we don't even do uncomfortable very well. We don't do uncomfortable very well. So I, I'm kind of concerned about how we would deal with persecution when we don't even do uncomfortable very well. And, and the Apostle Paul is not only in, in the midst of persecution and suffering, he's writing to people who live in a city that when Paul was in that city, he was beaten and arrested and went to jail. And he's writing to other Christians who are living in a city like that. And I want you to hear the words that he's saying to them. To understand that if it's possible to have that sort of peace and that prison and when you're beaten and you're persecuted for your faith, then it's possible to have contentment in your situation, whatever it is that your situation may be. So if you have your Bible, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Now, now, first of all, you may be really super familiar with this passage. Maybe you're not super familiar with this passage. But either way, really listen to what Paul is saying and, and pay attention to how emphatic he's being. Do you see some of those words? He says things like always and everyone and anything and everything. Do you see how emphatic he's being? Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. It even says it again. Rejoice. Now, that doesn't just mean be happy, like, that's not really an encouraging thing, is it just be ha- He's not just saying be happy, he's saying rejoice in whom? The Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, kind of contrast that with what we tend to do, because we tend to rejoice in lots of things, but probably not as much as we should in the Lord, We rejoice in our health when we have health. We rejoice in our wealth when we have wealth. We rejoice in our liberty and our freedom when we have liberty and freedom. And don't get me wrong, I like those things, but that's not what Paul says to rejoice in. He doesn't say rejoice in your health. He doesn't say rejoice in your wealth. He doesn't say rejoice in your freedom. He says rejoice in who? The Lord. Because church, listen, we, we are relying on. Let me say that again. The things we are rejoicing in, we are relying on. And when we rejoice in things that can be taken away, then the things we are relying on are weak. Your health is nice. When you've got it, it's nice, isn't it? It's good to feel good. But it can be taken away. And some of us know that from experience. Your wealth is is nice. It's nice to be comfortable, but your wealth can be gone in a moment. Freedom, liberty, comfort, all of these things are nice when you have them, but they can be gone in a moment. And what you rejoice in, you rely on. Your joy is anchored to that. And for so many of us, our joy is anchored to our health. Our joy is anchored to our wealth. Our joy is anchored to our freedom. Our joy is anchored to our comfort. And even when we have it in the back of our mind, we know we could lose it because what we're rejoicing in, we're relying on and we're terrified we might lose it. But when you rejoice in the Lord then your joy could be concrete. Because no matter what the world throws at you, no matter what situation you're in, no matter your circumstances, you can always rejoice in the Lord. You can't always rejoice in your health. You can't always rejoice in your wealth. You can't always rejoice in your freedom and your liberty and your comfort, but you can always rejoice in the Lord. And what you rejoice in, you're probably relying on. And then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness. This word doesn't just mean like that you're a logical person. Some translations use the word gentleness. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. you've been around people and you've said about them that they're just so reasonable. I don't always agree with them, but they're just so reasonable. They're so easy to get along with. They're so gentle. They're not always insisting that things have to be done their way. They're not always insisting on their rights. They're not always taking a stand and saying, no, 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 you have to do things my way. They're easy to get along with. They're reasonable. They're gentle. And Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. See, reasonable people can be content people. Reasonable people can have peace. And if I'm not comfortable and I'm not happy, you're going to know about it. And think about the difference between what Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone and the way we tend to be. We tend to let our opinions be known to everyone, right? We, we tend to let our outrage be known to everyone. But Paul says, no, no, no. let your reasonableness Be known to everyone. Have a a reputation for being gentle, reasonable, people that are easy to get along with. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone and be anxious for what? Nothing. And in everything, let your, your prayers be known to God. Let your requests be known to God. Stop, stop, stop. Stop with the worry and instead trade the worry for prayer. Rejoice in him and trust in him. And then he says, because this is what happens when you do that, verse 7, and the peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now we want that, don't we? We want that. We want to experience that. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to experience the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But this is conditional, isn't it? Conditioned on what? What he just said to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he even repeated it for emphasis sake. Rejoice and let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Be anxious for nothing, but let your prayers and supplications and requests be known to God. And if you do these things, then you will have a peace from God that passes understanding. You can't, you can't even explain it. You can't, you can't write it down. It's a peace you have to experience, but you're only going to experience if you're willing to rejoice in him and rely on him and trust in him and be faithful to him. And he says in verse eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about, think about these things. Contentment is the result of aligning our thoughts with the Lord's, isn't it? Contentment is the result of aligning our thoughts with the Lord. That's one of the reasons this is so important, isn't it? I thought about when I was youth minister, and I thought about the fact that I, when I was teaching teenagers, I got the teenagers in my classroom for maybe a couple of hours a week. And maybe if we had a retreat or a camp, then those hours got boosted up just a little bit, and I had the opportunity to present to them the things that were true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy for maybe an hour or two a week. But then the rest of the week, what are their minds being filled with? But now that I'm a preaching minister, and now that I'm talking to adults, the same is true, isn't it? Maybe for an hour or two a week, we get the opportunity to come together and think about the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. But then what's filling our minds and our thoughts the rest of the week? Who's shaping our thoughts? Cable news? Talk radio? Our friends and acquaintances at work? The things we're worried about, the things we're thinking about, the things that are our heart and mind are these things shaping our minds and our thoughts throughout the week? And it's robbing us of contentment, isn't it? It's robbing us of contentment. I have spent too much of my life being worried and anxious and afraid. Thinking about what might happen tomorrow or what might happen next year, what might happen with the next election or what might happen with this or what might happen with that, and not centering my thoughts on the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. We've got to be doing that more than just now. Sunday morning, it's good, it's a good start. But on Monday, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday, and on Friday, and on Saturday, we have to be aligning our thoughts with the gospel. Aligning our thoughts with the Lord. Because we're getting all kinds of messages, aren't we? Every time you turn on the television, every time you turn on the radio, every time you talk to a friend, every time you talk to a neighbor, when you go to school, when you go to work... When you talk with your family, you're getting bombarded with all kinds of messages and not all of them are true and not all of them are noble and not all of them are right and not all of them are pure and not all of them are lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. And if you want contentment and you want the peace of God, then you have to be intentional to think about these things. He goes on, verse 9. What you have learned in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It's not just about what you're thinking. It, what you're thinking is important and unless we line our thoughts up with the gospel and line our thoughts up with the Lord, we're going to be lacking in contentment and the peace of God. But it's also about what you practice. Paul says, I also have to practice what I preach. And you and I have to practice what we preach. It's one thing to come here on Sunday morning and to preach about the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and pleasing-worthy. It's one thing to come here and talk about all of those things, but then we have to go out and practice these things and, and live out the gospel. So much of the peace and the contentment that we could have, we forfeit, because we're not doing and living and practicing what we say we believe. It's, it's all of these things. It's rejoicing in the Lord. Stop, stop anchoring your joy to things that can be lost. Stop relying on things that are temporary. Rejoice in the Lord, be gentle people. Be easy to get along with people and trade your anxiety for prayer and think about the things that are true and noble and right and pure and then practice these things. Go out and live the gospel out in your life. It's all of these things. And then Paul gets kind of practical here and he talks about something that has just transpired and that is that the church at Philippi has sent Paul a gift. And and he's thankful for the gift. We're always thankful for a gift, aren't we? And when our burdens are are lifted and things get easier and we get a little bit more comfortable, we're always thankful for that. But Paul wants to use that as an opportunity. And I think think we should learn something here too. That that any time you have something that makes life just a little bit more comfortable, it's a good opportunity to remind yourself that You can be thankful for that thing. You can be thankful for that gift. You can be thankful for that comfort. You can be thankful for that blessing, but don't anchor your hope and your joy to that because you won't always have that. He says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned content." See what he said? He says, you know, I'm glad you sent that to me, and it's, it's wonderful, and I'm thankful for it, but it wasn't like I needed it. Well, oh, Paul, you're in prison. Sure, you needed it. And he says, no, listen, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I find myself. I've learned. There's the key word, isn't it? I've learned. Now, all of us want contentment. I don't know anybody that doesn't want contentment because we all find ourselves in situations that we can't change and that nobody else seems to be able to change and that it's not changing anytime soon. And so we all want contentment, but most of us don't want to learn it. And Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. It's, it's kind of like the fact that I would love to be bilingual. I would love to be bilingual. I would love to speak three or four or five or six languages. I just don't want to learn them, right? And that's the way all of us are. I, I would love to, to have that or know that or be able to do that, but I don't want to learn it. I'd love to be athletic. I'd love to be able to run a mile without slowing down. I'd love that. I just don't want to train for that. I just don't want to exercise like that. I just want to be able to do it. See, that's what we want. We want to be spiritually mature, but we don't want to learn to be spiritually mature. We want to to walk closer with Jesus. We just don't want to learn to walk closer with Jesus. We want to be content, but we don't want to learn contentment. And Paul says, I've learned contentment. And Paul wants the church at Philippi to learn contentment. That's everything he's been been teaching them, isn't it? So everything that's leading up to this point, he's just using this gift that they've given him as an opportunity to say, thank you for the gift that was good because God's going to bless you for blessing me. But I didn't really need the gift because I've learned to be content in every situation. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. See, and I even highlighted the secret of facing plenty because my whole world changed when I noticed that Paul said that. And I've probably mentioned this to you before, but I think it it bears repeating. The secret of facing plenty. If you read that, you might think, what? There's no secret to facing plenty. Plenty. I mean, who needs a secret to facing plenty? Plenty's easy, right? Who needs, who needs a secret to, to having an abundance? Uh, abundance is easy. Plenty is easy. And that's where we go wrong. That's where we go wrong. We think there's no secret to having plenty. Most of us, though, most of us are in a situation right now, maybe not everybody, but most of us are in a situation right now where we have plenty and where we probably even have an abundance, and yet we are still not content. We're terrified that what we have will be taken away from us. We're afraid that our health and our wealth and our liberty and our freedom and our comfort and our whatever is going to be gone, Even when we have plenty and we have an abundance, we're still not content. Or if we have all of these things, even if we're not afraid we're going to lose them, we want more. Because we think if we have more, then we won't be afraid that we're going to lose them. I just need a little bit more. If I have a little bit more, then I'll be content. See, if we can't learn contentment when we have plenty, if we can't learn contentment when we have an abundance, what makes you think we're going to be content when we don't? when we have lack, when we're hungry. Paul says, I, I've learned the secret to having both plenty and nothing. I, I've learned the secret to having an abundance and being hungry. And what's the secret? He's been sharing the secret all along, hasn't he? Rejoice in the Lord, always. Let your be anxious for nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. And the things that you've seen and heard in me, practice these things. This is the secret. This is the secret to having plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Trust in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord because when you rejoice in the Lord when you anchor your hope and your joy in the Lord nothing can take that away from you no one can take that away from you oh you could you could forfeit it you could give it away but a changing circumstance won't change your relationship with Jesus but your health and your wealth and your freedom and your liberty and your comfort, those can all be gone in a millisecond. But your connection to Jesus can't be taken away from you. So rejoice in him and rely on him and trust in him. He says in verse 13, often quoted passage, I strengthens me. Now, looking at it in context, it's pretty obvious that Paul doesn't mean I could be anything I want to be through Christ who strengthens me. I can accomplish all my hopes and dreams and goals through Jesus who strengthens me. That's not what Paul means. Paul means I can endure anything because Christ strengthens me. I can I could be content with anything. Because Christ strengthens me. I can persevere through anything because Christ strengthens me. I can endure anything because Christ strengthens me. I depend on Him so I can make it in any situation because Christ strengthens me. Because I'm rejoicing in Him. Paul not only has this confidence, he wants to give this confidence. Because it's this confidence that is the foundation of contentment. Right? It is this confidence that is the foundation of contentment. I can do anything because I have Jesus. I can make it through anything because I have Jesus. I can be content in any situation because I have Jesus. Paul wants the church at Philippi to have that confidence. Paul wants you to have that confidence. Jesus wants you to have that confidence. But we tell ourselves a different story all the time, don't we? We say, oh, I could never I could never deal with that. I could never make it in a situation like that. We tell ourselves that during times of plenty. We tell ourselves things like that during times of abundance. And we look at some other situation and we say, well, I hope I never go through that because I could never endure that. Well, I hope you never go through that either. And I hope I never go through that either. But we have to repeat this to ourselves all the time, don't we? I can go through that. I can endure that. I can deal with that because Christ strengthens me. During times of plenty and times of hunger, in times of abundance and in times of need. I don't, I don't want to deal with persecution. I don't, I don't want to be beaten for my faith. I don't want to be imprisoned. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't want to be hungry I don't want my family to be hungry, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is how we learn contentment. We we be content by learning to lean on the Lord. We must be content by learning to lean on the Lord. By learning to lean on the Lord. But so many of us, we're not training ourselves to lean on the Lord. We're not not training ourselves to trust in Him. We're not training ourselves to rely on Him because we rely on what we rejoice in. And we rejoice in our health. And we rejoice in our wealth. And we rejoice in our freedom and our liberty and our comfort and all of these other things that can be gone in a moment. So we're learning to lean on those things instead of on the Lord. We've got to learn to lean on the Lord. We don't, that doesn't mean we, we look for uncomfortable situations. It doesn't mean we want uncomfortable situations. It doesn't mean we want to suffer and hurt and be persecuted. It doesn't mean anything like that. It doesn't even mean we don't avoid those circumstances or flee from those circumstances if we can. But it means that we have to stop telling ourselves, I could never do that. I could never live through that. I could never endure that nonsense. Nonsense. If you have Jesus, if you're in him, then you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's the confidence he gives us, the confidence that we have to rejoice in. That's what we have to learn to do right now while things are good. Or maybe for you, things aren't good right now time to have learned to lean on the Lord was 10 years ago, but but I didn't do that. And so I've got to learn today. I've got to start today. And maybe you've already started that process, but we have to continue that process to learn to lean on the Lord. And a good way, a good way for us to sort of check how we're doing, just imagine, just imagine some circumstances that you wouldn't want to live through and say, Could you be content if you didn't have the health you have today? Could you be content if you didn't have the wealth you have today? Could you be content if you didn't have the comfort you have today? Could you be content if you didn't have the privileges you have today? Could you be content if you didn't have the liberty and the freedom that you have today? Could you be content? And you say, no, I I couldn't be content. Then learn to lean on the Lord so that you can say, I I don't want to lose my health. I don't want to lose my wealth. I don't want to lose my freedom. I don't want to lose my comfort. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, this this is how the world was changed, church. This is how the world was changed. It's because Christian people didn't have freedom Christian people didn't have wealth. Christian people were persecuted. They were put in prison. And yet, I mean, weird about these people. There is something strange about these people. There is something unusual about these people. And they were prepared to give an answer for the hope that was within them. And it changed the world. This is how we change the world. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing but pray about everything. Think about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Practice the things that Scripture teaches us to practice. And then we will experience the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And we can have this sort of confidence that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Start today. Start today. Taking the next step, learning to lean on the Lord. That's what we initially promised ourselves to when we were baptized into Jesus. Say, everything belongs to you. I'm going to lean on you and trust in you and rejoice in you. And then every day we get up, we have another opportunity to learn to lean on the Lord. And if we can help you this morning in any way, that was a great opportunity or you can meet with our shepherds after service in the prayer room or you can come forward now as we stand and sing.